Mike Watson. And I am Bree Watson. We have a super special guest today. Actor, writer, comedian, and all around funny gentleman and delightful human, Ned Petrie. Yay! Yay. Hi, Ned. Hi. Hi, (laughs) guys. Welcome to the constant struggle. Thank you for having me. Mm. Mm. What's new? Uh, What's new with me? Um, It's uh, we happen to be taping this. I don't know when it'll go up during the big uh, WWE Survivor Series uh, weekend. Here in Toronto, so um, there are a lot. I am a pro wrestling fan. There are events all over town that have been keeping me very, very busy. Uh, so if you so see a lot of, they're not just going on at the ACC. They're all over. Oh well, there's all these like unofficial events put oh. on by current stars and former stars and stuff, meet mm. and greets and stuff like that. So Thank I've had a busy day. I uh, meeting and greeting. Yeah, I <laughs> well, I mean, these are I mean, uh, people that aren't no, not the mainstream popular. Uh, the Rock or John C- like people know those names, but uh, yeah, I got to have brunch with some uh, wrestlers today. Brunch and... with wrestlers, yeah. All right, that was neat. Yeah, what was that like? Just a lot of protein shakes. Well, it was unexpected. <laughs> uh, it was unexpected because uh, it just happened that a, a friend, another comedy friend, um, you could was, say their names because uh, we'll... Danny Shahori, yeah, <laughs> uh, was helping as a PR and publicity for this particular event. So he just said, hey, do you want to go? And the event, it was just advertised as a podcast recording hmm. uh, between two big stars today. And uh, But then we show up and we're, we're, we're escorted over to a brunch. Apparently, if you bought a higher ticket tier, you got to have brunch with them. <laughs> wow. So we were, just, we were just put right in, uh, which was neat. So I, got, I, I was worried today. I'm like, I'm so busy. Where, when am I going to get my meals? I got one of them right there <laughs> in addition uh, to getting to uh, hang around. Well, we, like fight over the egg. I guess we're gonna start to need to offer some brunch to guests now. It sounds like they're raising the podcast game for whatever it's worth. Worth. I did go out to brunch today at a friend's place, and I brought because I felt weird. Like, what do you bring to brunch? You know, if you go to like dinner party or whatever, you bring a bottle of wine or whatever the case may be. I didn't know what to bring. Orange juice. No. So what oh, I did yeah. is I <laughs> nice bottle. Yeah, of that's oh, it's good fresh. Year. Yeah. <laughs> So I made these things that were like, I lined a cupcake tray with slices of bacon and put an egg inside. Oh my mm. lord. And then like, you know, put little whatever things, not things. So the bacon Herbs. was like the cupcake. like the cupcake. Cupcake paper. Yeah. And you could have got some like mashed potato or. Well, there wasn't that much room okay. in the actual, like I would need a bigger cupcake tin to All make right. anything fancy. Mashed potato. Even just like a, I don't know. I was thinking more like a home fry kind of thing. I see. For the track that would have been breakfast. Oh, I see. Well, maybe I could have put a tiny potato at the bottom. No, that would have taken away from. Or yeah, but inside the anyway. Regardless, <laughs> what I'm getting at is that I it was you delicious. brought something. Yeah. All right, <laughs> and it was good. Sounds good. Yeah, I should make some. Sounds like you really re- rethought a, a, a whole re- deconstruction. Of breakfast food. Well, okay. I can't. I wish I could say it was my own idea, but I found it. it. Did, oh, you Googled it? Uh, well, I remember it from a episode of Stephen and Chris, but... <laughs> you know, yeah. It was, Take that it was, Starbucks it was, breakfast muffin. There's, <laughs> there's stuff... Anyway, whatever. We don't expensive? have to go into that. Also expensive, yeah. I'm really burying Starbucks here. Oh, we don't care who we go after. In this <laughs> oh, man, you guys are taking on the big dog. That's right. That's why I didn't and we're sponsored by Tim Hortons. So. Oh, sure, of course. Then it's it's obligatory. So you're you're a writer. 
Yep. You've written for TV shows. Sure. Um, and, and other stuff. Yeah. What what's uh, what are you working on right now? What are we working on right now? Um, so the main thing in terms of keeping busy day to day is writing uh, freelance for, and you you write for CBC Comedy as well. So CBC Comedy is one, uh, Beaverton's another, and the uh, TV show. The well the the website yeah right um you know the original yes. you know the OG Beaverton yeah. <laughs> uh, now that it is a TV series they do have a a proper budget uh, for the for the website and managing the website as an extension of the show oh, cool. um uh so so that's be, you know a real legit kind of job you know you, you have to sign to stuff yeah, and yeah, yeah. send them invoices and things nice. um. And the the Second City Network website. So th- those are all writing short comedy content, satire uh, stuff for online. So that keeps me busy because so much of it is sort of news-based. Right. It's like every day I'm trying to think of ideas for that kind of stuff. So that keeps you busy. Uh, in terms of bigger picture stuff, earlier this year I was working. Um, there's a producer who produces animation who I've been working with a fair amount. Oh. And... Um, uh, this year, his main focus has been developing a uh, full half-hour TV series. Cool. Originally, we were doing just shorts. Right. Um, You're talking about Brian? Uh, no, no uh, Josh, uh, Joshua Bowen is his oh, name. Okay. And uh, so uh, any sort of credit, legitimate air TV credits I have are through stuff with Josh. Okay, cool. And uh, so he's trying to... So, so his... his first tv series uh one where i was involved in different ways um was uh like a looney tunes type sh- like it was a bunch of not i mean the, the style of humor wasn't like looney tunes but looney tunes in the sense that it was a a compilation of different shorts right uh with different characters uh but now he's trying to get um a proper a proper full series uh going so oh, awesome. uh i think he has four or five things on his development slate and i'm probably involved in three or four of them right. one way or like another writing them or voicing them or both some it's just voice um uh and others it's voice and um writing some a- aspect of writing none of them are series where they're my own like it's my own project but mm. uh the way josh likes to do it is he likes his voice actors to also be writers as well because he finds that the the easiest way to improve the script is to that you could put your own sort of voice right. i mean literally to Le- do it, legitimately right? yeah. so we're so the voice actors attend on his stuff are sort of also story editors even if we're not going through and redrafting a script so like by writers guild rules we're not writers right. ever but uh like on the fly as you're reading it sort of well thing, it, i mean on the fly when we find things that gets incorporated in the script or if we have specific suggestions mm. those end up in the script if we find something so by the time they've put some animation behind uh something it ends up being something very different <laughs> than the original draft of yeah. the script and it relies a lot on the voice talent to cool. try and pull through however there 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 are some where i've done more proper writing where it is actually going through scripts line by line and, right and uh right. punching up and stuff like that um, so if anything gets going with him, that'd be cool. Um, mm-hmm. If any of these these ideas go, um, and is he like Toronto based? Yeah, he is. Okay. Um, he his office is out of Blue Ant um, uh, yes. Media. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, may as well just say it. The, yeah, the, yeah. I mean, the the way I got involved with him is he uh, 
he started this project with Blue Ant where they got a big Bell fu- like media uh, grant or something, you know, several million dollars with the with the intent of creating um, web animation that they could compile into a TV series. And the the initial thought was to for it to air on Byte TV, right? Because but that doesn't exist. Anymore. Yeah, Bl- Blue Ant had a a cable channel, a comedy oriented cable channel, so as to create original content for them. And the shorts are really successful. They partnered with Mondo Media, which is the number one in terms of subscriber base, uh, the largest animation channel on YouTube. Um, oh, so everything got seen by big audiences. He he because oh, because they were animating so many uh, shorts, he was able to get really talented people to work on it because there was a high volume of work. People could work for lower rates, so they were able to get st- really good stuff with smaller budget. Um, and uh, they got seen by a pretty wide audience there online. And then as he w- they were compiling the show to make it for a TV series, Byte TV ceased to exist oh. anymore, but they sold it to Teletoon. Oh. So it, it, it airs, it's called Night Sweats. It's on Adult Swim Canada. Oh, so cool. it's in there sort of late night because they're adult-oriented. Not, not the... I, I realize adult oriented makes it sound like it's porn. It's yeah, not it porn. <laughs> I mean, so it's not it's, like cartoon porn. Like, yeah, I mean, it's jokes. not it's not kids uh, cartoons. Um, yeah, uh, I remember. Yeah, so is that does that still exist then, or are they still? Because I remember they were at, looking for all kinds of people to pitch ideas, yeah. and they're they're still. And it's crazy to me that more people didn't like. Yeah. It's the way that I got involved was because. Um, uh, I didn't see it, but they, they had posters all over the place. Yeah. They, they reached out to Humber, Second City, Comedy Bar. Uh, it was open to anybody. Yeah. They could yeah. pitch an idea. And they would like they wouldn't even have to animate it. They had like the animators. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, Maybe it just sounded too good to be true. <laughs> well, but it, it happened. Yeah. The, uh, what ended up happening was uh, the way I got involved, and I'd never done any voice acting either, but a Facebook friend of mine who is a uh, professional voice guy we uh i asked him if he had any advice because i was interested in maybe doing voice acting right um and he just mentioned offhand like well i'm directing a a cartoon short so if you just want to audition (laughs) and it was just to get like audition experience because i'd never done any anything in the booth um and then i ended up booking that role and it was a role on one of these animated shorts right and then from there, I met Josh. He's like, "Yeah, no, if you have an idea, pitch it. Nice. Like, I'm literally open to anything." Right. And well, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> well, I mean, like, that's yeah. right because they didn't take everything that was that was pitched. But uh, from there, they wanted like very specific. They they had like pretty specific guidelines. Yes, because <laughs> they they were because the the intent was to make it uh, content for Mondo Media's YouTube. YouTube page and then for Byte TV, those channels have narrow advertising demos yeah. that they want to hit. So it's like yeah, twenty-one year old dudes. Yes, basically. I mean yeah. it's the same for all adults. Or I mean, Adult Swim, yeah, Cartoon Network, sense. anything yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. They're looking for like college, eighteen to thirty-four. Yeah, male. Why male? Heavily ma- well, women male don't watch fucking comedy. No, they, they they do. It's they it's the advertising demo. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So um, uh, although there there were some. Uh, good work uh made by uh female writers as well uh for it but yeah the uh uh so yeah just just sent a, a full script i uh, wrote it with uh my friend brian Corey, and they took it 
Nice. And I just thought that meant they, they'd buy it and then we weren't on it anymore. Right. Like, we'll take this and make something <laughs> out of it. But it, it turns out, and it's uh, no idea what I was getting into, but I'm glad I did because the experience was uh, invaluable. Um, it's, as it turned out, even though we weren't told in explicit terms, it's like, oh, you're also producing this, even though you've never produced something <laughs> before. It's like, not only do we take the script, but you're you're also, so you're also doing like, it. You're also casting. You're yeah. you're making oh. decisions. You're Good you're lot. you're giving all the notes for all the <laughs> edits. You're, I mean, with Josh, but yeah, um, you're you're the so one Josh who's is like the executive producer. Yes, he's the executive, but the uh, basically the job was uh, you. You need to be the one that takes this idea from thought into Reality. all the way into completion. Wow. Even though you've never done any of this before. Wow. <laughs> Which, yeah. That's and, <laughs> and um, so it's crazy. I, I was blown away that more people didn't uh, try sending stuff to them because of, I mean, that experience. Yeah. Um, you know, because if, if you were to get, for example, like if you were to try to, <laughs> if you were to try to uh get funding from uh bravo fact or something right. to make like a short film that's similar in yeah. the sense that you have to take the idea from beginning through completion but it's all on you like josh offered a lot of support and guidance he he had all the contacts with designers okay. and he knew he knew how to speak the language of animation to like help us uh um make it happen whereas if we had bravo fact money It'd be like, see in a year when this is done, hope it's done, you know, and uh, not offering too much support along the way um, and not necessarily having any money at the end of it. Not not that Josh paid much money. I should should have been paying him considering what what he got out of it. Oh, absolutely. It was like doing a, you know, grad program or something. Well, that's Um, helpful. um, So, yeah, that, that worked out great. And then from from there worked on a bunch of uh, there was only one cartoon where i was a proper like creator no two uh where i was a proper creator on it but the what were they so eric the pillager uh was the script that we uh pitched and that was a cartoon uh, set in viking times vikings Uh, so we got to make um five six episodes of that um and then there was another one i made with brian crosby who's a toronto comedy guy and andrew cromwell who's a toronto comedy guy uh called murder house <laughs> and that that was just a short that wasn't a full series although it could have been but he josh was uh iffy on investing on a whole series the premise there murder house was that it was a reality tv show uh, like a big brother where everyone's in a house except they kill <laughs> one another yeah, and the nice. one that the one that lives is the winner uh, and uh, that that's and like the natural progression of that so, genre so even though it did really well it got great sense. number of views and stuff and good uh reaction uh his concern was that yeah we have all these great characters but they're just gonna keep dying he's <laughs> like so at the end of it what do i have like what what um you he, just have another season like yeah. Survivor. Well, exactly. Yeah. That, that was our pitch was, well, on every reality show, they get rid of all the characters yeah, and replace one. them. Yeah. Um, but uh, he was like, or oh, we could just keep it. Like, you either do it as one or you do it, you do like, a whole yeah, like, 20 or whatever. <laughs> so, um, 
So we just did that one as one. But that was another one where, you know, the the work was uh, uh, taking it from beginning to end. And we ended up doing that one because the three of us, Andrew, uh, Brian, and I, were all voices on another cartoon called Crack Duck. Right. And on Crack <laughs> Duck, uh, it has nothing to do with Crack the Drug. He's, oh. a, he's a duck with a crack in his head, two-dimensional... Uh, crack now that but it is cracked out for sure okay. most people look at it and assume that it's a very surreal yeah. everyone thinks it's <laughs> drug influenced um very creative cartoon the creator for that show danny lacy lives in la mm. so but all the voice talent except for danny uh we're here in toronto in a booth so he would be patched in but in order to hear our takes we would do a couple of takes and then we would have to wait for them to send something to him so he could listen to it not not just on a skype like right. so he could hear if it was you know good um like live like like uh, in real time like yeah kind of, oh wow so he he'd be in a studio in in la we'd be in the studio here but he can only hear us through basically like a skype level mm -hmm. or phone level hookup so every time like something was done he'd want to hear hear it without any of this the distortion before Ooh. moving on to the next take which meant we had all this time where we were just in the booth waiting yeah and we were just dicking around with all these silly voices and stuff and then josh was like come up with a cartoon where you do those voices like <laughs> this is already something what the three of you are doing right now so that's how we ended up doing the murder house right. concept and then there were other ones where we were just um either uh was brought on to help with writing or with uh voices well, see, it. it sounds like you're a very busy guy um, I have, yeah, I haven't met, uh, seen Josh in a little while, but yeah, I guess so. I guess there's always something going on. Right. So why do you still then have to do that day job? My day job? Yeah. Um, uh, for the last year, I haven't had ah, to, okay. like had to, had to, like I'd be on the street or something without it. Right. Um, because I, I ultimately do have the time some of these jobs are i mean i none of these jobs that i've described are ones where it's like great you you have a job every day nine to five, nine to five yeah. for a month or something like right. they're they're sort of a day or two here day or two there particularly these really low budget ones you know where they they're real efficient with uh with time uh so there are these these gaps um do you think if you were doing something similar in the states that it would that you would still do the day job um well i don't know i mean it, it uh I, I mean what what you're basically asking there is would would it get paid more yes. for, for this kind of work <laughs> yeah. oh and uh there's that and maybe there would be more work as well oh sure in between um i don't uh know how competitive the competitively we were we were paid <laughs> relative to what similar work would be um uh elsewhere um it's altogether possible mm -hmm. um i know that i mean some of the some of the stuff that really helps in between is is uh commercials right so uh have you been in a bunch of commercials not a bunch oh, well i don't know i guess handful? sometimes you can do a bunch i i don't work with an, an agent in voice or or acting uh oh, but from this work uh, you meet people, uh, particularly with voice stuff, because you know I've worked in several voice studios for these cartoons, 
and sometimes they have a commercial and they don't have time to do an audition or something. So they just well, because they, they know what you can do. They yeah. have samples of your past work. They can show the client to prove you can do it. Uh, and you just show up, and that's the best work you can get. Yeah, Voice... you don't have to do anything. I mean, it's already done. All the you, work you've had. To you do don't. You don't even get. need to change out of your pajamas <laughs> if you don't want to. Like you can just show up oh, man, in any state. Uh, do it. Ah, business pajamas. And it's so quick. Um, like per minute that you actually work, it's the best money <laughs> you can get. Um, and then uh, I've had a few on camera commercials. Uh, and those auditions were through referral because they were looking for comedy-oriented mm-hmm. uh, people. Um, so those are like big chunks of money compared to these other jobs, which right. are small chunks of money every right. now and I, again, yeah. paid in, in arrears because you have so to send crazy. your invoice. You think and about it just because like you're creating your own thing and it starts from zero and it becomes this cool project and you're only getting paid little bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you can walk into a booth in your pajamas and make a fuck ton of money just the, to say somebody else's stuff. The amount of money that gets spent on commercials, anytime I've worked yeah. on one, voice or um, just standard you know, TV uh, commercial, the amount of money they spend on commercials oh, man. is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And that's not even with the ad buy that gets it out right, there into the world. Yeah. J- just the amount they to, spend on to, set. To make the actual commercial. Yeah. And when you compare that to any TV or... Um, and anything like that it's so i mean that's that's how you know if a person works in commercials a lot is if they refer to you know a craft table that's full of <laughs> snacks it's like oh we don't have those on canadian tv we have those on canadian commercials right uh, oh man that's where the money is Bree. let's get on this <laughs> yeah um but yeah so with, with that kind of stuff it it means that in the last um year i probably could have just survived on on those types of gigs well, that's cool, but because that's... I have the time to work, I can say, yeah, well. Nice. Well, that's nice. Yeah. They should be thankful for that. <laughs> because a lot of people are like, as soon as I can live off my art, that's what I'm going to do. That seems to be a uh, a, a weird call. I mean, I, I know some people that um, they, they're like ashamed if they have to work. Right. Like if they have to do a day job or like. You know, it doesn't count as being serving. a full artist or something. Right, like and I, I don't, uh, you don't get agree. that. Oh no, just do what you gotta do. do what you gotta do. Yeah, why, no, why should you? Nobody's judging you. And if somebody is, what are they? What do they know? Right. Like they clearly don't understand anything if or they if they're judging the you. Entertainment industry. <laughs> like, um, uh, you know, you're not uh, slumming it having having to do that. Uh, having to do day job and and i'm very fortunate in that i the day job Allowed which that. for those that are listening uh, i work at the second city uh theater in the box office and in uh the office administration and um i'm very fortunate in that i have a job that values what i value yeah. <laughs> so i can I do have a lot of freedom there to take time off for any of this kind of stuff. That's good, yeah. They're very flexible with that. If I ask for three weeks off to do a festival or something out of town, they're fine with it. I've, I've never had any pushback for wanting to pursue these other well, interests. Not to mention the other work that I've gotten by virtue of the people that I've I'm met through there. there. Yeah. Um, or not sitting there, but working there, yeah. And... Uh, hmm and uh being around so i'm lucky because I, I realize some people they if they have a day job they 
they have they, to spend all their energy and their time right. and their everything. They do get a, a pushback yeah. uh, if they need to yeah, take time off or something. what would your job do if they like found out that you were like, um, you wanted to be a writer? I, as long as I'm not negatively impacting the company, they're fine, they're fine with, with it. it. I it's guess it's, it's, really it's not a job. It. It's ba- they basically see it as a hobby. Right. But if I'm going around getting published and stuff like that, then they might get a, a bone up their butt. Right. Is that a thing? You get, whatever. Sure, you get bones up your butt. Yeah. Well, if what you mean is they get annoyed, <laughs> yeah, that's an annoying <laughs> yeah. thing to happen. Well, unless you, you know, unless you're totally into it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate for a few things. One, that I have that job that does encourage their employee, even though the job is more or less a minimum wage right. job. Uh, it's still regular. What what you get in exchange is the flexibility and the moral support, you know, for these kinds of things, which is good. Um, I'm also fortunate in that I didn't uh, graduate with like a bunch of, a bunch of loans that I like I I could afford to basically work part time right. <laughs> minimum wage at at uh, at a theater company. Where'd you go to school, Ned? Uh, University of Toronto. I was also going to say, you're also fortunate you didn't have anybody putting bones up your butt. But... That's right. Hey, I, so I'm fortunate for that. that bone up their butt, Brie. Yeah. And by the way, we're not being euphemistic. We're talking about a like a like skeletal a little, bone. Yeah, like which a chicken is wing or something. Like, like somebody like might, and I was about to say, people who were just tuning in. I don't know why you just tune into yeah. the middle of a podcast. <laughs> but uh, hey. we're not talking about a sexual no. situation. Some people do want a bone. Up in their the butt. sexual up their butt in the sexual sure. sense yes of course uh we're talking That's about like if you had at. like you know i don't know uh, a dog a f- bone. you know when you eat fish and there's yeah, a yeah, little yeah. bone oh, like oh, that kind no. of stuff can yeah. you imagine something like that oh, in your butt no way that would be very annoying mm-hmm. very annoying yeah um if you even notice that it was there but yeah i i, I went <laughs> anyway if it's going out the wrong angle it might do some some trouble on the way out yes to answer your question i went to the university of toronto what did you take at u of d uh, so my majors were history and uh, cinema, cinema ah, studies. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of like you, except English instead of and English. film. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did. Uh... Cin- hey, what's the difference between cinema and film? I'll tell you. Oh! Uh, at, so at U of T, they have no. When I say cinema studies, like oh, so film. Be like I have no experience. Uh, like making with film. oh with cinematography, editing equipment. Yeah, I, I, oh no, then, then that is the same. Oh, thing. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, yeah, cinema means the yeah. The, you watch movies Studying. and you film theory, films. film history, yeah, yeah. the right, industry, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's what I took. I, I took. Uh, I was originally enrolled in in drama there, and that lasted about uh, three weeks. Oh, why didn't you like drama? Uh, it was awful. <laughs> so you're not it a theater was school kid. Awful. Um, so I did a lot of theater as a, when I was younger. Right. I did when you were growing up. Growing up, when I yeah. when I was a kid, and then in high school, and uh, as far as anybody knows, like from my hometown, they just assume I've I came up here to study theater, and that's you know right. why. We should maybe tell people where you were coming up from. Okay, I, gr- I grew up in um, Cleveland, Ohio. Ah. That's my um, hometown, and my well, my hometown specifically is Lakewood, Ohio, uh, which is the first inner ring suburb of Cleveland, first city west of Cleveland on the coast of Lake Erie. The Mississauga of Cleveland. I guess. <laughs> uh, or the Etobicoke. Yeah, it's closer to Etobicoke in the sense that it's not a, you know, a it's not a metropolis of its own. Right. Uh, and there I, I did is lots of stuff. Is that on the way to Cedar Point from Cleveland? It is, yes. It, it, <laughs> is, it is in between. Yeah, you you might pass context. through it. Uh, so, uh, so I did a lot of theater, and when I was uh, finishing school, that was the presumption mm. that 
that are I had that I would be right. <laughs> that everyone else had. I ended up going to U of T. Um, Why? Yeah, it's kind of random. <laughs> okay. I feel like I know, but but listeners don't. Sure. So I I they did, have schools down south. Too. It, it's true. <laughs> uh, so so I grew up there. My my mother though is is Canadian, so I always had some connection to Canada. I, I always thought about it as a nice place. Uh, family from visits and stuff. My my mom and dad both lived in Toronto. My two older sisters were born in Toronto. Why did they move back to Cleveland? Uh, Cleveland. Work. work yeah, my work. dad's. Yeah, he, my dad went to Western. Mm. Um, he. Uh, the university. Yes. Oh, okay, right. So my, my dad grew up in Detroit and then uh, oh, went to Western. Uh, coincidentally, at the same time, it was the Vietnam War. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah, that's isn't that weird? Yeah. <laughs> Lucky for him. He was never drafted, so he's not a draft dodger. But Our, had he been drafted, guess what? Not in the country. Oh, Our dad had a similar story. Mm. Well, they moved back to Canada just to get away from any of that nonsense. Coincidentally, yeah. around yeah. the same time. So, uh, so yeah, so he went to Western. My my mom is Canadian from London stuff, so he, okay. they okay. stayed. Uh, my two older sisters were born at the time that they were living in Toronto, and then in the early 80s, he ended up moving uh, back to the States for work and uh, ended up in Cleveland, which is where I, I grew up. Um so yeah, my two older sisters were born in Canada, but then grew up and or did you know university and now live as adults in in Ohio. Uh, my younger sister and I were born in Ohio, but then went to university mm. in Toronto. Opposite. So anyway, so <laughs> Toronto was always open. I because I was interested in show business, I only wanted to move to like a city with show business. Right. I didn't want to you know any people that were interested in show business. They were doing like uh, theater, like. Uh, Otterbein, which has a nice theater program, or Baldwin Wallace. These are small colleges in Ohio that have really good theater programs. But it's like, so you get the experience of working there. But it's like, but also you're there. You're like in you're, Ohio still, you're yeah. not. You're going to have to start over wherever you go right. like, from yeah. there. So I did. My theory was like, oh well, I, and I'm most more interested in comedy than anything else. Right. Um. So so I, I was really only looking at schools in Chicago, New York, and um, Toronto. Toronto, and. Uh, had an opportunity to uh, probably go to NYU in their theater program. So there was a person who had a connection to my high school who um, was encouraging, like in connection to my voice teacher, like the my stuff, my the, the stuff I was doing uh, to go there. And they have this famous, like, yeah. world famous program. Yeah. And... So I was looking at it, and a friend of mine from high school was too. And you mean voice like singing? Yeah, singing. Right. Um, so me and another friend in high school, we were looking at it, and then we we split on opinion as to whether we wanted to do it. This we found out by interacting more with the program and learning about how it works that if you go to NYU and do their theater program. Uh, that's your whole life, right? Yeah. Like you don't, you don't have, you don't have a book, you don't have a pencil. Like you, you get up and you do th like you don't have classes. Like you're right. not allowed, even though NYU. So one of the things that appealed to me was like, oh NYU, if I do their theater program, they have this great school and this great, all this other great stuff. Uh, and um, they'd be like, no, you can't. No, you're you're yeah. that's where you are. And so my friend uh, Ben, who ended up going, that was really appealing to me. He's like, oh, it's great. He didn't want to learn. You don't have to do else. anything else. To do and me, it's like I was way less interested in right. that than I was actually doing other stuff. 
so I wanted to make sure I was going somewhere where I had the flexibility to like learn other things. Yeah, learn yeah. things. I mean, to do other programs. Yeah. Why would I like? And to this day, I know people that have done years and years of theater training, and I wonder how is there enough to do? Yeah. How is there enough to do something every day for years? I guess there are a lot of plays. Like, what do you learn right. in all that time that you couldn't learn in half the time? Or, mm. um, well, which I guess was the a difference between me. <laughs> no, but exactly. Yeah. So our our mutual friend, who uh, who who does have a lot of training, you know, a graduate degree. Yeah. Um, and I just look at it and go, well, what yeah. what did you do in all that time? Right. Like, how how did you fill? How is there enough to learn? So, uh, U of T had uh, drama, and they you could take other things. In fact, you have to like you're right. You're, you're encouraged you, to. Well, you you have to do a double major. Like oh. you you're uh, the only option otherwise is to do a specialist where like two thirds or something of your credits are all in one field. But huh. there there is a requirement to do a double major. to do classes in different in areas. To, that makes sense. That's, so yeah. I, I did the drama uh, class, and I, I was surrounded by people that would rather be in the theater-type program, uh, yeah. and uh, I felt I couldn't really talk to them, or yeah. like I couldn't get through to them. They weren't interested in living this, the way I was living, and uh, the big turning point was, uh, so in this class, <laughs> you would have hated this, uh, so it was reading plays, like okay. It was more drama as literature, but there was a performing component because plays don't just live on the page. You see, right. so you got to meant to be performed. So you're put in groups, and uh, you have to stage something, an excerpt, a scene of whatever play we're reading okay. that week. And uh, um, so we're like in the third or fourth week of class, and the play is Jean Genet's *The Blacks*. Now this play, okay. uh, Jean Genet <laughs> is famous for being very political, confrontational, and stuff. And the play is meant to to be very frank about race. Okay. And there's a point in, in the, the hand of first year college students. I can see this going nowhere bad at all. Oh, oh it went bad, guys. It went bad. So it's written into the play. Like if you would get a paper cut, co- like a bound copy of the play, there's sections of it where the the notes written in there are like adjust this to whatever's offensive oh, to your audience it's like th- this was written for a particular audience but i jean genet give you the permission to any modern day to make it you know whatever whatever oh. would really throttle your audience oh. we show up to class oh, they segregate us by race oh, no. uh into different sections oh, and geez. and then they come out and they do all this like blackface oh, like no. minstrel style stuff oh. And uh, they brought someone on stage to, uh, you know, basically the a guy who was in blackface was compelling a person to actually hit him. Oh no! And he kept on needling him until he was actually like hit. And uh, now it's art, right? <laughs> so uh, we reached the uh, break yeah. where they're done, and then we're going to talk about it and okay. whatever. And I just walked the <laughs> fuck out. <laughs> And went straight to a computer at the library and dropped that fucking class. <laughs> oh. I'm like, how how can I handle this? What yeah. what is this? Yeah. What what are we doing here? Especially um, you as 
uh, a very critical mind. Yeah. You know, like you, uh, I could see you not just blindly accepting. The only downside that. to that is the guys who did their little performance. Go, yeah, we did it. We got this guy out of the class. <laughs> that, well, we confronted him so hard. They thought like, oh, it'll really impress the teacher if we really make this a really confrontational Uh, thing. And, um, and, uh, to me that was like, this is like the third week. If like, if I have four years of like (laughs) being around people that want to do this, Uh, like this isn't going to work. This is going to work guys. Um, and my, my four years of that sounds horrible. (laughs) So (laughs) I was already scheduled. (laughs) Nothing. I was going political. That's all right. Oh, (laughs) So I was scheduled to be in a group that was doing a play like the next week or something. Like, nope, I'm not even gonna meet with them. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Uh, so I did other stuff, and I and I seriously thought like, well, will I ever perform again? Like, I didn't even know. And it, it was Second City Training Center that um, called you back. That climbed back into it. Um, so we're and does that. actual good, useful training and uh, yes. creates good work. Uh, in uh, a fraction of the cost of a university program. Yeah. And okay. very rarely do you have to do blackface. Yeah, very rarely. Discouraged, in fact. <laughs> uh, so you went, okay, so were you taking classes at Second City while you were, while you were still at U of T? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, my, um, uh, you can tell exactly when by looking at my semester-to-semester transcripts at U of T. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a... A point at which I'm clearly less engaged right. in my classes. Um, so were you like the kind of kid when you were growing up? No, I guess if you were more into like the stage and stuff, were you like turbo into comedy when you were a kid? Like, um, you know, like there's those kids who are like, I always knew I was going to be a comedian because when I was a kid, I used to copy, you know, such and such as routines and perform it for my parents or whatever. Yeah, my mom would tell you that. Yeah. Um, not that I was ever a class clown or anything like that. Okay. Um, Far from it. Mm, I'm a serious person. I'm a serious person in certain contexts. Uh, But yeah, I think I always did want... I mean, not that I would have admitted it in high school, that like, oh, the dream would be to do sketch comedy and (laughs) Second City style stuff or SNL style stuff. Like, um, uh, I wouldn't have admitted it for fear of being told that that's not not realistic or a real thing, but... It's probably what I was going to do no matter um, what. Um, And I was always aware of Second City. Like I, I, uh, growing up my... um, I guess if your folks had been in Toronto. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And my mom had all these stories. My mom's one of those people, uh, and she's not lying, but it, it does, it is silly after a while. Anytime we would watch anything, if there was any connection... If, if she could tell it was shot in Toronto, or if the actors were from Toronto, <laughs> she'd point it out. And she seemed to have a personal connection with every famous, like, Canadian. Canadian. <laughs> All of them. Right. Like, it didn't matter, you know. It, and, of course, many are comedy. Right, that um, makes sense, yeah. People. Most of the, most of the people yeah. down from here. So, it, it would be stuff like, oh, yeah, Marty Short, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, I uh, did some set decoration for a commercial <laughs> film or something, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, he dated my friend, or uh, <laughs> oh, we used to go to parties. The Rick Moranis was like uh, that kind of stuff would come up. So I was, I <laughs> so I was aware of those kinds of. Uh, I was aware that those people were from Toronto when they started there, so Toronto never seemed like a bad place to go if that's right. what you wanted to do. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I ended up here, and and I finished conservatory in my fourth year of university. Oh, cool! Nice. 
So that was concurrent. That's where you met Dave. Yep. Oh. Former friend of the or guest, yep. guest on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so the big question. Mm-hmm. You live in Canada. Yeah. You were born in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So you're able to work in the U.S. because you still have your citizenship. Oh, yeah. So why haven't you gone to New York or L.A.? Okay. Uh, so why haven't I gone to New York Wait, does that or interest LA? you? You're, yeah, you're being I do. so quiet. No, I'm listening in. <laughs> He's, so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's absorbed. But this does come up a lot. Um, I have had people. Uh, Laura Nash was right. mad at me. When uh, it came up in conversation that her, I was American, she was American also, or is American? No, no, she's no, Canadian, she but she, she, but she her, had... now Laura Nash, uh, for listeners who may not know, is is on American. Superstore. She's on Superstore. She she's a uh, star of American sitcoms. Like she's become a comedy figure yes. in in Los Angeles. Uh, she. When she found out I was American, this was at the time that she was just about to go down to do Super Fun Night. Right. And she wanted to, like, wring my neck because of all the hassle and headache she went through just to get her, oh, you the papers and stuff in order to go. Um, you know, the, the years of work, because it was always her goal. Right. Um, or at least that's what the impression that I got Whereas it's like, you could just go? Like, <laughs> like you, you could just hop in a plane and fly, and you're just allowed to live and move? Um and Dave, who's been my main, if I if I have a consistent writing partner, a sketch comedy partner, it's my friend Dave uh, Tishauer, who also has dual citizenship and, and chooses to live in New York. Um, That's recent, too, right? Like, he was here for a long time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, yes, a lot of people do try to move to the States, and they uh, wonder why I would voluntarily be here. Uh, one is that I think Toronto is a very nice city, and I like living in it. I view Aww. Canada as, like eons better than the united states as a place to live like it's just better uh in my opinion yeah um part of you know i part of how i ended up leaving ohio in the in the first place or even looking at you know other places do you think it's because like it's ohio uh no i mean i I like cleveland but i mean i mean i don't know whenever i've been i've never been to la um uh Whenever I've been to New York, I'm like, I, not for me. No. Like, I, I like, too I like busy, to visit. Too big, too... It just seems... So Dave lives down there, and uh, whenever I hear anything from him about, like, just trying to live. Right. Too expensive. Also, oh my right? gosh, yeah. yes. Oh, expensive, yeah. Uh, Dave, when he started uh, working a job that paid really well, yeah. uh, he... Uh, was pulling in three times what I could pull in here, and he was living in an apartment. I know the listener can't see Bree's apartment, but like half the size of this shared yeah. with two people, two oh, bedrooms. Like, God, like yeah, such a uh, and and that rent would be like fifteen hundred bucks or something like that. Like that's his half, his his half yeah, of the rent. Is that like third. on Manhattan Island or that that is in Manhattan okay. Lower East Side and stuff? So I mean, I, I guess it becomes more affordable when you get uh, elsewhere but that wouldn't be the main deciding factor but it just seems anybody i know that's tried to make it in new york has had this like well, if you uh, can make it there <laughs> so, there was a we, we went down and did the or i went down dave was already there and did uh new york sketch fest which right. was at mm-hmm. the people's improv theater the pit. 
And is that we, a good sketch fest? Um, we can talk about it cool. off air. Uh, um, sketchy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. sketchy, yeah. hate out. Get out. It's okay, <laughs> but just don't expect you know too Toronto much. Yeah, the, well, Toronto yeah. really takes care of people. Yeah, there's you know doesn't. Yeah, we're spoiled. Um, but well, if you fucking get in. But there was a good audience. <laughs> there was a good audience uh, for the show, and they did put us on a good bill. We split a bill with Arthur Meyer, who. Oh yeah, you. Uh, uh, at the time, was a, a writer on Jimmy Fallon and does on, did on camera stuff for Jimmy Fallon, and now is working on lots of different stuff. And um, he was like encouraging, you know, me to come down here. And and uh, but he was describing his way. You know, I was like, oh, I I just like I, I don't know how I could live. I I like to have a comfortable lifestyle. Yeah. I I wouldn't want this. And he was like, "Oh yeah, it's it's unavoidable." His, his he's like, "My first apartment was like a, a, a not much larger than a closet, uh, shared washroom and kitchen at the end of the hall, on like the southernmost point on in Brooklyn, um, you know." And and it was seven hundred bucks a month. And he was like talking about this proudly, and I'm like, "Why would you put yourself through that?" <laughs> and of course, he ended up working on Jimmy Fallon. Right. So he looks at it like, "Hey man, that's the journey I had to take." Right. But he's like, "What about all the other people?" Also, yeah, at the time, up, yeah. uh, another writer on Jimmy Fallon was Albert Howell, who, yeah. it's like, hmm, which route would I take if I wanted to be a writer on Jimmy Fallon? Would I do the Arthur Meyer route and move to New York and struggle for years, living in places I couldn't afford, making no money, um, like, li- living that way? Right. Or work- would you go down the speaker's corner? Yeah. <laughs> or or would, I li- would I live and work up here and still end up at the same yeah. job? Yeah. Well, that seems end. to be the thing about people in L.A., right? Like that, that, uh, or pe- people who move down to L.A. from Toronto who get like so much more experience doing, who end up doing like um, all the training and everything and putting in the hours down here, and then by the time to get they get to L.A., they're kind of, you know, ready to go. Well, they're at least like they can still stand out amongst the people who have been there, yeah. you know, or who live there, or oh. who just moved there from the states because. The- because they have all this experience. That, that's the other factor is, is you do have to start over no matter what. Right. Even people that are established, like Americans that are established in New York that moved to L.A. have to start of course. over. And to me that just sounds so frustrating. Right. Um, even though I guess you stand out more. Um, but yeah, Dave, when he moved down to New York, had, in order to meet anybody to do sketch and stuff, he had to do classes again. Yeah, he had to go through. I was like, well, you already did all the classes. Yeah. But now you're doing them again and you're standing out because you're more... Advanced. experience yeah but it's like I, I don't know if i could pay and you sit through a, a level one ucb class kind of thing we hear about other stuff about uh steph tolev who yeah. you know and as, yeah, yeah. as well so Humbergrad. uh <laughs> from the hilarious sketch troupe lady stash and a hilarious stand-up in her own right so talented so funny uh moved to la a year ago year and a half ago two years ago something like that and was sharing on facebook about how you know she was busting her ass biking all around town like for random spots and random shows and it's like but you've done like just for laughs and stuff yeah like up, up here you wouldn't bust your ass all over town right like you 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 could pick your spots because mm-hmm. you've you've proven something right even people like nate uh mcintosh who yeah. lives in out or uh, new york you know already had a tv appearances and stuff up here right and had to start all over again down there but it wouldn't, against it, people that, with none of that experience. But I guess it's because you'll make more money if you get it down there. You'll if if, if you end up yeah, 
if you if, if, yeah. if, if you build up, yes, which I yes. guess yes, you're more likely to do if you have an well, established I mean, I that's what, yeah, act. Yeah. But it's like, but you can also you can make it here. It's not impossible to live here. Right. Well, that's good. Uh, I think yeah. It seems like the opportunities here are getting bigger as well. You think so? It feels like that compared to like what it was like when we were growing up. There's no comedy channel or whatever comedy network, network up yes, here. That's true. Yeah, but most of the shows that are on the comedy network are American. I think they're getting more and more Canadian stuff like too. Like the Beaverton. Yeah, um, like the Beaverton's a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I don't know. I met a couple of those guys at uh, the oh. writer at the oh. Ink Drink stuff. Nice. And who? Who do you know? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I got really. Isn't the point? To yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, there there are. It's it's not impossible. You do build all similar experiences up. It's my understanding that there's some concern over. CRTC rules yeah, that it might be harder to get what what's considered by their standards Canadian content, mm-hmm. um, or they've changed the definition of what constitutes Canadian content. Right. Um, well, they were changing that, weren't they? Uh, yeah, I think the it. I think they're still consulting. Okay. There was a I think yeah, the proposal was basically the way it was before is the creator of a show had to be Canadian for it to be considered Canadian content, right. and one of the proposed changes. Uh, modified that. Yeah, they have to be able to spot Canada on a map now. So, so who knows? The future may be bleak or something. But I, I have no specific plans to um, move. You know. Good. I mean, <laughs> that well, makes me. Happy. Well, Dave. I mean, Dave, when he was down in New York and and uh, had a concussion, he would have to come up oh, here no, to like right, just to get himself to get like yeah. specialist treatment. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. Again, not that I'm saying Canada's a perfect place or anything. It's just right. like I, I prefer the way society functions here if I <laughs> if I had to choose between the two That's countries. Less gunny. I prefer a more functional society. Okay. I don't know. The show's called The Constant Struggle. What are what are what are some like shit what's some shit you have to struggle with as a as a, a comedian and an artist uh, uh, on a daily basis? So or I uh, there weren't any times I feel like I always kinda knew what I was getting into. Um Sure. Um, knew what I was uh, getting into uh, with the, the the uncertainty, the um, lack of getting paid for certain things that take right. up a lot of time. Um, uh, that kind of being being rejected for reasons beyond your anything you can yeah, control. Th- yeah, things that are out of your or control. The quality that you've had. so I I always thank you. I always felt that uh, I. I uh, I know some people have come against that kind of stuff and think like oh I should quit I never had that like right. that struggle like there was never any point How where I'm so like level headed and also an artist <laughs> so I don't know I, I think I just knew like well this is this is the life this is the life I chose right. um, so there's that aspect but there there are things that I look back at it now and it's like wow I really uh, put myself through some indignities which at the time <laughs> I wasn't thinking about it much I, I was like oh i have this great opportunity and then i look at it now and it's like i would not do, do that. that again now. i yeah. would not like um, what like what for example uh for example the first uh commercial i worked on okay. here did they tell you to get naked <laughs> no first commercial i <laughs> where did, did the bone go and, and i and i'm still a non-union <laughs> performer and this is where you know they do exploit you a bit um the first uh, commercial I, I did was for i don't know the name of the company it was promoting muskoka Right. Uh, Muskoka region. Oh my god, it was Tony Clement. <laughs> a Muskoka region, uh, you know, cabin co- country, cottage country north of here. Um, and so the 
the slogan they had was get get closer to nature like it was for it was for torontonians get out of the city yeah get closer to nature right so That's i was so in it as a man <laughs> in a bear costume <laughs> but in the commercial i'm just a bear right okay and, it, and even though the mouth didn't work i was just wearing basically a bear mascot kind of costume you wouldn't do that pretty again? realistic no, none of this sounds bad <laughs> and uh the you know it's not like it was animatronic or anything the joke was that the mouth didn't even move and it was clearly a guy in a costume but when you the second you put on a costume like that no one views you as human anymore. You're just the bear at that point. Even though I was sweating, I was dying in there, no one would even think about it. I was, Shut I up, was a bear. prop. I was a prop. The only thing that kept me alive was there was this one AD who would actually check on me and be like, are you okay? Because like, they couldn't even like hear me in there. So um, you like wouldn't work at Disney World is what you're saying. No, no. Well, maybe Disney World, they respect good... the characters a bit. That's a good But point. like, uh, we, we shot some stuff on the street here and people want to like, hurt you <laughs> people like come up and like kick you oh man it's like i'm a human like, in a kids, costume like kids or like adults oh my god they, the they don't go up you would never go up to just a regular person walking down the street and, and kick them. him in the shins the second you wear a costume <laughs> it's like well this guy clearly deserves it the laws oh, of society have um, broken <laughs> and uh you know and just sort of being dragged around and you know uh uh that kind of a thing uh that's what i i might not anymore they they clearly didn't Doesn't respect really the actors your... too much not great um, for your exposure either and and other kinds of uh gigs promotional kind of stuff where it's like hey do you want to make 50 bucks you can do this you know go on the street and hand things out oh, or yeah, wear yeah. a costume or promote something or um and at the time it was like wow what a great opportunity this is great i get to make 50 bucks and now it's like uh not that i would turn something down because it was only 50 bucks but right. it's like i would look at is this worth, is my, it worth my time, my energy, the, yeah. the effort to do it? But yeah, that kind of oh yeah, I did it once before with the uh, um, around TIFF handing stuff out on right. the street to people, and it's like I really am not good for this. Um, <laughs> you hate flyering. Uh, oh, for your yes. own stuff. <laughs> oh, I, I won't flyer for my own for my own shows, and I I I definitely wouldn't. Um, again for for anyone else even if it was hey you got 20 bucks and go to a party but not worth it nope <laughs> um that kind of stuff i'm trying to think if there was any other gig that comes to mind that i definitely wouldn't do again never booked them i mean this is part of the reason that i i generally don't work with an agent is because there was a time where i was trying to audition for everything right where i was open to anything i would audition for anything and some of them I booked, some I didn't. And I looked back and I was like, why did I... Like, Ugh. I knew going into that that, you that it was going to be a bad experience. Oh, okay. Especially the, like, big old cattle calls where they just bring anybody and they have yeah. no idea what they're looking what, for. What's bad about those? Is it you're just sitting around all day wasting your time? Yeah. Well, it, it's... It, I... Uh, they sometimes... I mean, casting people are... Most are pretty respectful, but... You know, you just kind of feel like I'm not even a human yeah. here. Like in this equation, I am. I am just background. I'm one of anybody. There's a uh, no, because if you're auditioning for it, you're not. Usually but yeah, I, I would audition okay. for anything because I viewed anything as an opportunity that was yeah. worth it. And there were some things I booked that Are I look you at it now. That yes, and mantra. Right. There was a time, and this is the breaking point where I was like, you know, I'm going to be more selective of what oh. I do. Um. Was uh, I was in an audition room and they had every like really talented comedy person right uh uh Duras, jason Duras was there nigel downer people every like that great comedy yep man 
Good, yes, it yeah. was. Yeah, good, good, funny. All the funny comedy actors right. that we have were there. Um, and the spot was for McDonald's, but I think the the copy said Project Hamburgers. Whenever you yeah. see an audition that says Project on it, yeah, it, it means big... low budget, non union. We're not going to treat you that uh, well necessarily. Anyway, the audition was for the. They were promoting a quarter pounder with cheese, but oh. with bacon, lettuce, and tomato on it. Okay. All right. Which are not normal ingredients. Oh, okay. Wait, aren't the lettuce and tomato normal? I don't think they are. Oh, yeah. um, so, to they were, were trying like to get the so, so the the ad copy yeah. was they were calling it the BLT QPC. So dumb. And MLP. this is the copy. It's supposed to be two guys sitting at a McDonald's and they're both holding one. Yeah. And one's like, hmm, I'm going to eat this BLT QBC. And the other one's like, uh, no. Don't you mean a QBC, a QBC BLT? I remember Shit, that. I remember that commercial. And <laughs> they, were, they were meant to gesture because one was reading it top to bottom because yeah. the bacon lettuce was top and the other one's reading it bottom to top. Uh, and and then, uh, so the other one is like, reaches over and flips the hamburger in his hand so that he realizes, oh, and then he goes, oh. And then the announcers like the new blt qbc of mcdonald's you know mm. i'm loving it and I'm, and I'm looking at the talent in the room and <laughs> so it's much like better what than... <laughs> are we doing guys like anybody could do this or could have written yeah. something better like the highest paid person involved in this is the ad company yeah. that wrote a this awful ad. copy yeah. Yeah. And the audition, we were given buns with nothing on it. <laughs> so we had to bite into the buns and smile <laughs> and stuff. And it was like, I'm, I'm going to be more selective from now on. I'm like, even if oh, I book I this. Know. That McDonald's commercial might have paid you pretty well. <laughs> it, it may have. But since then, whenever I've, I've been happier since, because I've basically selected when I have done commercials, it's either because I was asked specifically to do it. Right. Or because I heard through the grapevine or they were reaching out because they really wanted improv or comic ability or something right. and those become very fulfilling yeah because you uh, get to sort of play in the audition right. yeah. either because they know you and they know what you can do yeah uh or they they expect you to play they want you to play or or they they view you as like an important talent in making this better right which is a lot of commercials and experiences like that really don't and yeah. you really do just feel like you're a prop that you may as well just be the chair that you're sitting in for the commercial <laughs> Uh, even though, you know, the, w when you look at commercials on TV, it's it's it, it, you have to think sometimes like, geez, that person probably studied this, yeah. or this person probably does Shakespeare, yep. and here they are doing whatever an A and W commercial or something. Right. I just ran across town to get to my Mazda dealership or <laughs> right. Nissan. So, so I can see why that frustrates the, some people. The guy who's just standing there and he's like boring and he's like. Like real people, or real oh. real people, not actors. Yeah, no, that that's not the one I was going <laughs> yeah. for. But oh. yeah, that one's bad too. I hate all of those. So, um, so yes, I can see why people would be really struggle with that. When I worked at a um, agency at one point, oh okay, yeah, as a as just an assistant, just making the phone calls and stuff, and they represented a lot of actors, and it was mostly for commercials and guest spots. They didn't have like any leading like okay. TV leading role type people right. these were actors that got gig you know gig 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 and uh some of the actors were nuts <laughs> they were just nuts yeah we dreaded if they called we dreaded if we had to give them a call uh because they were so neurotic 
and the reason that they were neurotic is because they were just actors. Like they they were actors. They had they had theater degrees. They they'd worked really hard. They'd done Stratford and stuff, and they weren't booking gigs. They'd call just to be like, "Do you got anything for me? Do you hear anything back from that audition?" And uh, because they had no control, they had talent. Right. They had no control over their destiny. Right. Uh, so of course they got in their own head about yeah. it. Whereas with me, since my focus has been more on my own work, um, I don't worry about that uh, as much. Yeah. Because. I, and I think this is why people should learn improv and writing and comedy and stuff. It's like, because if, if you're not acting on something, you can write something. Yeah. If you're not working on anything, if, if you're not booking commercials, great. Make your own show. Yeah. Like, do, do a friend show. Do, yeah. Um, I feel Second City Style Improv Training is great to come out of it with the ability to Create. control your destiny yeah. a little bit more over... If you choose to. If you choose to. Yeah. Um... Because I remember that was one of the reasons Dan well, got out of acting because he was like, "How do like I... you end up like if you're dependent on that money to get yourself, you know?" I always live. wondered about that because <laughs> on uh, I listened to uh, Chris Hardwick's that you know, podcast. That yeah, what other, what other podcasts? Do you uh, like oh, you mean like WTF with Mark Maron? Yeah, 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 okay, there. Okay. <laughs> um, no, he always talked about like how depressing commercial acting work can mm-hmm. be and stuff like oh, yeah. that. And he... I was like, "What? Well, what's so bad about it?" But then, yeah, you have no say. You yeah. can't be wicked talented, but if McDonald's doesn't want a you... Yeah, in, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. yeah. If you don't look the Whatever way the heck you are, look. specifically, then yeah. it's like you can't act your butt off and become another race and gender. Well, yeah. and, and that's yeah. why, yeah, I think some of those Wait, actors... Yeah, you went to <laughs> well, yeah. UFC. <laughs> <laughs> <And> you're just <laughs> right. you're yeah, it the, up. The actors that were the most frustrated were the ones that were all talent, but that doesn't get you right everything yeah uh, particularly as you were saying with commercials so much of it is just one look at you yeah you either look no. the way that they want you to or not yeah. yeah i mean and that's that's more important than anything in a commercial since it tends to be whatever they're asking you to do is not a special skill even though right. you are a specially skilled individual right it's not important no <laughs> no and uh that i guess that is why some people go crazy but yeah. it's like but you you gotta so if, if, you, if you're gonna make it, it here at all no, you can't take it personally. I no, I think of, they are. A lot that's of people do. Problem. Well, but, I think a lot of people uh, get pretty desperate because, like, that's one of the main sources of income is like these commercials. Because if you get a good commercial, that yeah. can, that can pay your rent for a couple months or whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm, I so, it. like, if you don't make it and you continue to not make make or get your your gig, then you start looking desperate when you go into the audition because you you need it mm-hmm. to survive. Yeah. Right? Whereas if you are either if you're getting a patchwork of gigs using other talents, yeah. And if, if you are more, if you're focusing on work that is more fulfilling to you, yeah. you're not even worried at the audition. No, exactly. And then you're more relaxed at the audition. Right. Um, I still can never relax at an audition, even though I have a full-time day job. <laughs> but that is why people... You just need more exposure being in the audition environment. I think that's it. So, yeah, people, I mean, when, when I was suggesting, oh, yeah, you, you can make a living, you know, here, it... it it is a patchwork no matter what. Like, right. Unless you do have a regular gig on a TV series or something or a radio series. Um, but there aren't that many of those. There aren't know? that many. Yeah. But uh, if if you do, you should like if it. if you do write, if you're pitching, writing, if you're trying to do voice, if you're trying, like if you're doing a bit of everything, and, and your own live work, producing, like then you, if you have a diverse skill set like that, then you can. Uh, it can all add up yeah. <laughs> to to a living. Yeah. It's possible. Um, 
because you've done voice work, have you met John DiMaggio or Billy West? No. Okay. <laughs> I've met neither of them. All my non-union cartoon stuff. In <laughs> fact, uh, uh, on our... Oh, I, don't th- I don't think you'd get in trouble uh, for actor with it, but with our cartoon, Eric the Pillager, so that was co-written with my friend Brian McQuarrie, uh, who is a fantastic voice actor. Like, just great voice actor. And uh, so with our... Uh, we wrote it so that the two main characters would be us. Right. Uh, reading the booth. and uh, But he is a union ah. actor. And we ran into a situation where uh, he basically had to go uncredited, you know, in oh. order to... In order to do... It's definitely his voice, but, like, his name couldn't be... So in I it. shouldn't tag him in this podcast. Uh, well, don't don't tag Actra. Okay, uh, <laughs> but uh, because you can get in trouble yeah. for that kind of thing. And so after that, though, they were very strict about really checking what okay, kind of status yeah. people had because <laughs> well, he probably had it from his picnic face days and everything. Oh, for sure, yeah. No, he he already had it, and he got to keep working on our cartoon because we could find a way to sort of like right shuffle the paperwork. Right, but uh. uh when people higher up found out this was going on, they're like, oh, well, you know, because they didn't want to get in, tr- in trouble. Well, and also, if, if, if ours became, even if they switched the budget so that ours became actor, that would mean that all of them would have to uh, be. And, yeah, and it adds all this extra. Yeah. So anyway, that's why we never got uh, 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 John DiMaggio or, <laughs> or, or Billy West. Billy uh, West was in Toronto a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. He did like a... Comic-Con? Uh, or... no, no, no. Oh, maybe that is why he was here. But then like Ian had him... Ian Atlas, I think, had mm-hmm. booked him to do like a special show at Comedy Bar. Oh, oh cool. Dan saw it and possibly met him. I don't think so. I don't think Dan's the kind of person who would have been like, Hello, sir. Very good voice work. Maybe you. I liked you under an instinct. I did. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but there are a lot of really, really funny voice people that we got to work with on some of those. Nice. Uh, some of those cartoons that do pretty well. Uh, just recording out of their house. I got to learn how to actually do the physical recording and stuff because uh, you can work a lot more that way if you just work from home. You have your like little studio in your mm-hmm. office. Yeah, call it. Love in. these guys because a lot of them, some of these auditions, they don't uh, have to. You don't physically be anywhere. You're fine to just wouldn't send just something need, in, record it. Need like a good, uh, good mic. Yeah. Okay. Good mic, but I mean these guys have a, a mic and a whole right. The so, whole like sound. Well, the ones the ones I have in mind, the real veteran people that I've had a chance to work with a bunch. Their background is in radio, right? Like legit radio. They did broadcasting and stuff, and then of course radio. They keep cutting jobs you know, left right. and right, but they can still earn good living in right. part not only because they're very talented, but because they're so skilled at actual like producing and engineering. That makes sense. Yeah. They can basically work from home. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, I knew some people who uh, worked on their audition tapes where I work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, because okay. the studios are all there. You know, go in after hours. Sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. Helping <laughs> out Canada's arts. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. All right. Do you want to get a bit in about the election then, Bree? Well, I don't know. I thought it would be. Uh, I, I don't know. We can. It's been depressing the shit out of me, so yeah. I've been avoiding. Yeah. Talking about. Well, why don't we listen? Why don't we? Yeah. Why don't we talk to Nan about it then? What about the election? I don't know. How bad it sucks. Okay. <laughs> it totally sucks. Great. Everything's, uh, and I, I, I know this sounds like hyperbole, 
but everything's ruined forever. <laughs> like, uh, right? That's like, kind of how it feels. This is, yeah. we, we are in an era where now, and we're currently living in it, where uh, uh, hyperbole is no longer hyperbole. Um, it's, uh, it's crazy. And yeah, like I, as somebody who used to live down there, could you ever imagine something like this happening? The whole time? Uh, no, I didn't. I, I mean, I, I imagined it possible. Right. Because I am a realist. <laughs> I realize that, uh, um, you know, I, I'd like to have the romantic, rosy-viewed uh, look at the country and the people that live in it. But I also know that it's like, well, you know, a lot this of... is also the country that did this, this, right, you know, right, right, right. that... Uh, um, there, there is just a fundamental difference, uh, between, uh, Americans and Canadians just in terms of general social needs and so forth, uh, that lead to some of these differences. So I did have people up here saying to me like, oh, but it can't happen. He can't be like, you right. know, and I kept on saying, well, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't right. think you will, but I don't know. Right. I can't count it out. And, uh. And then when it happened, the, the, I was having like bad anxiety dreams, like in the summer oh, man. when he was winning all the primaries and stuff. Ugh. He, we know who I'm talking about. <laughs> and Nicola, you shall not be. uh, Nicola, my partner, clown uh, face, big fuck stick. <laughs> <laughs> so Nicola, my partner really helped me out by me just by saying like, yeah, you don't live there. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm like, yeah, geez, yeah, like, and it doesn't make it, it doesn't, it doesn't make the problem better, right. yeah. but it makes how it affects me better in the sense it's like, geez, at least, <laughs> yeah, at least I you're don't have to personally well. go through it, even though like, I, I just shudder thinking about it. Like, cause you're supposed to respect the person who yeah. is the president. The office. Yeah, the office. Yeah. 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 Like, how could you, you know? Like, We're at a point where, yeah, I, I do feel like it's like, uh, it'll take a while to repair that. Yeah. Uh, the luster but, of the office. But if it isn't, it's like, if it stays this way, it's like, great, it's jumped the shark forever. Right. Like, in the uh, Philippines, uh, a, lot of, a lot of politicians are just like celebrities. Right. Uh, like, just uh, famous people who get it because they're famous and stuff. And their president now... He's totally, he's like Trump times five, Ugh. like is the current president of the Philippines. And he's nuts. And it leads to this horribly dysfunctional society. Of course. Um, and, what's, uh, oh, what's the population of the Philippines? We're heading there. I forget. I mean, we're talking tens of millions. Yeah. I mean, uh, so it, that is funny when you think about, it's funny. You got, <laughs> you got to laugh or you'll cry. Uh, thinking like, geez. Like, the taxpayers are going to have to pay for a Trump presidential library. Oh, Even if it's just four years, there will be a permanent Trump presidential library. Yeah. And a permanent portrait. Uh, and a, probably I a know. statue. That's putting you know? me off visiting the States, because, like, when we go, Catherine's <laughs> just gotten her Canadian citizenship, so we're waiting that's in immigration. Wife, There's a portrait of Barack in there. I'm comfortable with oh. that. But seeing that orange face dildo of a man is going to be just freaking not worth I, it i think calling him a dildo is giving him too much credit <laughs> yeah some people like well, yeah. some people like trump too but uh uh yeah the, the i know that there was some of this feeling after nixon right like oh this is ruined who's ever going to respect you know the presidency or or anything ever again and it's in in, a, in some ways it has never recovered like right. there but since nixon there is this sort of like perpetual feeling of mistrust yeah. right. uh, that was never really earned back. But there have been presidents that were like, oh, well, at least we're back to a, 
a guy that I think is heroic. But I look at this situation, I mean, far apart from any policy. It's these like unwritten things about presidents, libraries, portraits. uh, Part of the job, even even though officially it's not in the job description, it is functionally a part of the job description when bad things happen people turn to you oh my god it's gonna be so horrible imagine the next stupid shooting imagine if there's a tragedy there was already already another shooting well i guess he's not president yet no but there was a a, somebody somebody shot a cop today like imagine this guy trying to console like if think back when uh sandy hook no it's an upsetting thing yeah right sandy hook's an example i was thinking in the arizona when the congressman uh, was shot, shot. Congress, yeah, and uh, Congresswoman was shot, and he delivered a speech at the eulogy, and you watch, and you're like, wow, like that really, that really helped everybody, yeah, like process this, no matter what their political background or whatever, yeah. uh, and it's like I cannot imagine this man who literally can't read, like he can't uh... read. If you, if you hand him a piece of paper with sentences and Stop, paragraphs written on it, he will demand somebody tell him what it says because oh he, he, he can't read it. Um, excuse me, not that he's illiterate, he's, but he's incapable of getting his attention span around right. looking or, at a piece of paper and, and processing all the words that are on it. Uh, uh, that guy, uh, trying even if someone writes it for him, right. trying to deliver <laughs> such an address. So we are fortunate and that we do live in a more functional society here yeah. where that kind of thing is I'm not going to say impossible but there are a lot more hurdles uh even like after brexit and trump i'm not gonna freaking <laughs> right. rest on my laurels at all like i'll campaign for mr handsome <laughs> <laughs> well the uh um because uh, a lot of people pointed to rob ford the connections yeah. uh-huh. you know and of course rob ford is very close to trump in this in the sense that you know he's an immature baby man who (laughs) for some reason a lot of people like even though he is so obvious to almost everyone else completely incapable of the job and proved himself to be completely incapable of the job um but the difference is he was just like the mayor (laughs) you know like he wasn't in charge of like an army or anything Um, oh my god could you imagine well you know there was talk because doug ford likes to talk big right Mm -hmm. doug ford's like well maybe i'll run for the conservative party office and it's like brah you gotta speak french man like yeah good luck i don't know how there's too many hurdles because the party controls it right like the party wouldn't let somebody that they can't respect lead it right the president doesn't have to speak spanish no, it's not. That's no, because there's no like. It's not. Doesn't even have to be chosen by the party. You can be chosen by people, and you know how people are. I you do. see them on the street. <laughs> Who would let them pick anything? Uh. Um, <laughs> but uh, they're ruining democracy. <laughs> democracy, man, it's a great. You know, it seems like a real good idea. <laughs> Until yeah. Until uh, you really think he is the poster child of ruining it for everybody, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Trump. probably his whole life. It's going to be a dark uh, time, but... Uh, so everyone's going to be on a constant struggle. Hey, now. To survive. But yes, he has kept me yeah. busy in the sense that, like, I know I, I, I happened to be in Cleveland about a, a few weeks before the election, and uh, some people who only see me on Facebook are like, oh, well, you're going to be bummed out about the election, and you won't have stuff to write about, because I pretty much wrote well, every writing, day. Yeah, every Trump. day yeah. I would write insults to about Donald Trump. Uh and uh, I was like, no, in fact, I'd, I'd love it if he didn't <laughs> if exist. Because I'm mostly mad when I'm writing this. <laughs> yeah. But uh, now that he's present, it's like, well, I guess I'll just keep doing that. Right. It certainly keeps me 
busy. Uh, I I wish I was busy with something, yeah. thinking about something that was happier. Yeah. But uh, that didn't feel so. Well, it does get you know it does get the. I I am. I work quicker and uh, more prolific when I'm writing about something that makes me angry <laughs> than otherwise. Yeah. So, fortunately, I do have some outlets for that. I always felt that was um, in, like, when you had to debate in high school or whatever. One of those things when you had to, like, take the side of, of uh, like, take the opposite Devil's side advocate. of what yeah. you yeah, believe. It was always easier to do. So, I guess that makes sense in terms of writing satire and stuff, too. Mm-hmm becomes easier because you don't actually mm-hmm. feel the way that you're well exactly the, yeah. if you the distance uh, your own what what can create really good satire is by writing something in the voice of the thing that isn't your right. opinion mm-hmm. fil- filtering your dissenting yeah. point of view onto something and pointing out how bad it how is ridiculous. how ridiculous yeah. it is and uh yeah that's easier to come up with ways to exercise that voice when you're outraged by something yeah because yeah. it just flows out just flows out of yeah. you um and another thing about that <laughs> yeah but uh yeah I, uh, the uh he's not yeah. even president yet <laughs> oh gosh oh gosh yeah so i do wonder what will happen there maybe i don't know if relations between the two nations will change maybe we maybe we'll get more work i don't know yeah, maybe um, yeah who knows how these things work? Oh yeah, have you been getting like relatives or anything tell you they're gonna come live with you, or they want to come live? So with you? I know my dad w- was legitimately looking yeah. into it. Oh shit. Um, and I know one of my sisters was. Uh, looking at it last year. I don't think either will, but I guess we'll see. It. Yeah. It. I mean, it if really does depend on how happens. things. If it happen. gets yeah. bad, then they can. Yeah, I mean, uh, they. Yeah, they're fortunate in the sense that they. They can, but I know that this summer my uh, dad did take a trip uh, to Cape Breton in part because oh, of Cape research. Breton. Uh, well, because Cape Breton, oh, they it was kind of tongue in cheek. Yeah. But last summer they did like a promotional tourism campaign that was basically like, hey, you can live here if Trump's president. And it was kind of a joke. Right. But their website was like crashing with the number of views. Cape uh, Breton is really, well, I haven't been, but I hear it's very nice. But, uh, it's like our Scotland, it. isn't it? <laughs> So, it's hard uh, to understand the people from there, though. Uh, yeah, that was... Uh, but I'm pretty sure part of the reason he made the trip was looking at it because of that promotional campaign. Yeah. Um, oh, man. We'll see how More things play out for everybody. Uh, <laughs> festival. Maybe. And uh, hanging around uh, afterward. I mean, uh, I think Canada would be really smart to try to benefit from this. Like, if they, if they adjusted their oh, yeah, the immigration yeah. law just a bit... Uh, reverse the brain drain oh yeah you could get off. some uh yeah keep uh, get uh, create some of that brain drain on the outside who knows um open border brain drain i feel like we should end this on a positive note sure we're still alive now <laughs> yeah anything else more positive uh i don't know what's what's going oh, on yeah. what what's on the horizon on the horizon uh nothing specific okay um it's funny when these things every now and again uh if i'm really backed up or caught caught up in a lot of different stuff because it tends to be a lot of projects it's not just one person i'm reporting to about a 
a gig of some kind. It's multiple people. I'm trying to balance the, how the time, uh, uh, owing an appropriate amount of time for each, fitting that well, into a part-time a work schedule. Yeah, that is a struggle. <laughs> um, every now and again, I'm like, geez, I just wish I had three weeks of nothing. Right. You know? And, uh, and then when I get to like the beginning of those You're three like, weeks, oh, I'm like, oh, gr-. like, well, I'm like, oh, great for like, approximately 48 hours and then i get anxious oh, like oh, i need to i need to get something else going uh so uh so so yeah so nothing specific but i'm sure some more stuff will come up the animation that um josh is working on and cool. get myself busy with the you know the short-term article by article uh writing gigs and uh Cool. Well, we'll, we'll put see your, how these things go. We'll put your Twitter out there so people can follow you. Oh, sure. All, all uh, 53 listeners. Hey, sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. But they, but they follow everybody that uh, that you post their Twitter, right? Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. I'd be happy <laughs> for that 53 influx. 53 more followers. <laughs> That's cool. Yay. Thanks for coming to chat with us. Sure. Yeah, anytime. Uh, do you want to say the hashtag struggle on with us? Sure. Right. Right. Do we do the hashtag normally, or do we just say? Struggle? I normally just say struggle on, Marie. Struggle on, Ned. All right, struggle, struggle on. on. <laughs> just say struggle. Struggle yeah! on, you guys. We did it. Caverns and Comedians is a real play Dungeons and Dragons podcast featuring Toronto comedians playing Dungeons and Dragons. We roll the dice, but we edit that out to just give you the nice role-playing experience. Featuring acts of heroism. I've got his wallet. I mean, I, I didn't mean to kill him, but he was bad, right? We're pretty sure. Do I have to heal you? I don't want to. Can't you just die? Ooh, a dungeon master! My safe word is potato! Stumbling towards goodness one roll at a time. Caverns and Comedians can be found on iTunes, Google Play, or kicksandgigglesentertainment.com.